in this series called Breaking Cycles or Cycle Breakers. And last week, what we looked at was we looked at the, really the definition of a cycle. What is the definition of a cycle? Because here's what I know about you and what you can know about me is we are all in cycles. All of us are in cycles. And all a cycle is is what we, like, what, it, what is our default? What do we just do? Like, what is just kind of how we make things happen? And some of you are in great cycles. You're in good cycles. Your cycles are producing great results, and you're doing exactly what God's asking you to do, all those things. And then some are in destructive cycles. You're in cycles that you don't like the outcome. You don't like what's happening in your life. You don't like the way you're being treated, and all these things are happening. And here's what I can tell you about a cycle, is cycles will create something. And for some of us, can I just be honest with you, the devil is not on you every moment of the day. It's the cycle creating what you don't like. And all he's got to do, as we talked about last week, right, is, is keep the cycle spinning fast enough to where we're uncomfortable to jump off. And we use the idea of a merry-go-round, if you will, right? You sit on that thing, and it is spinning. It's going crazy. And so many of you let me know where merry-go-rounds are in Columbia and, and around, can I, I'm 40 years old, y'all, my equilibrium will not allow me to get on a merry-go-round like that anymore. I, I would be sick as a dog when I got on that thing. But, but you know how it is, right? It gets on there and, and you go to jump off when? Whenever it slows down enough and it's comfortable enough. And some of us are waiting on life to slow down enough for us to jump off of these destructive cycles. And can I tell you what's not going to happen? Life is not going to slow down enough for you to jump off of a destructive cycle. It's not going to happen. You know it. Go back 20 years and think about how easy life was. I had way less responsibilities, way less bills, way less people relying on me. Come on, everybody's like that, right? When we went to a um, birthday party yesterday, <clears throat> my family, for a four-year-old little girl in our church, and uh, you know where she wanted to go for her four? She wanted to eat breakfast at Chick-fil-A. I was like, different, but okay. Chicken minis are from God. I like that. So we went, and uh, her mom was telling me that just before the, the party, she was upset. She was crying. She, she was upset. She had to give her a hug and console her before her party. Now, most people at that age, it doesn't even matter that age. I'm like this at 40. You like the attention and the gifts that a birthday party gives you. It's okay. <laughs> give me free stuff and give me a pat on the back. We're all good, right? Like, we, we like that stuff. I like that stuff. You like that stuff. They like that stuff. She had to be consoled because she looked at her mom, and here's what she said. I don't want to grow up. I don't want to get old. Yeah, y'all say that now because you're old. Because <laughs> you grew up. <laughs> and you're like, I get it, girl. I don't either. <laughs> you know? Like, she didn't want to get past four. And I'm like, I get you. Little JoJo, I'm with you. I don't either. Because the older you get, the more you have on you and the faster Life goes, and for some of you, cannot, what you walk in here and you need, you don't need another pep talk or self-help book. You don't need any of that. You need permission. And so right off the beginning, I want to give you some permission that today is the day for you to jump off of some destructive cycles in your life. Stop waiting on everything to slow down, right? Stop waiting on it to feel right. Stop waiting on it to be good. Stop waiting on a soft land. Just jump off that thing and deal with the scars as they come. Get off the destructive cycles in your life. And for most of us, what my prayer is in this series, after last week, my prayer was that we would go home for the week and we would get to this place where we did some self-reflection. 
And I, my hope is that you went home and found some really productive and good cycles that you're like, I'm celebrating that one, man. I'm a better husband this year than I've ever been. We're better financially than we've ever been. We're more plugged into God and the church than we've ever been. Whatever those cycles are, and you found some to celebrate. But I also hope you went home and found some destructive ones you need to get rid of, that you need to jump off of. Maybe it's the secret addiction that nobody knows about but you. Maybe, maybe it's the thoughts. Maybe it's the attitude. I don't know what that, that cycle is or what that thing is that you need to jump off of. But I'm telling you that today is the day that you get to jump off of it. And, and, and hear me, most of us, when we find a destructive cycle, it's not that we don't want to get off of it. It's that we don't know how. Yeah. And the question isn't, I, God, should I keep doing this thing that's ruining my life? Most people would go, No. Usually the question is, how do I get rid of this thing that's ruining my life? How do I get this thing that's pulling me away from God? And, and, and I want to think about, listen, we can take the merry-go-round, you can take a bike, tire, any of that stuff, and as it's spinning, as it's rolling, how do you slow it down? You intentionally create friction or interruption. Intentionally. And I'm going to use the word intentional on purpose because for where we are in life, can I tell you the way that you're going to stop this cycles, these destructive cycles in your life, is you have to be intentional about the interruptions and the friction to slow down the thing that is destroying your life and stop it. You have to be intentional about it. Here's why I know that. Because many times we will sit and wait on external things to motivate us to change something internally. And what happens when we do that, I'm just giving you honest Transparency here. The moment you wait on external motivation to stop something in your life, when that emotion fades, you go right back. That's why you'll get emotionally motivated to go to church in January. And then in March, you ain't been back in six weeks. Come on. The emotions fade. You'll get motivated to go to the gym. And you sign a six-month contract. And then after a month, you like, I'm just paying the next five months. This is, a, this is a donation. Here you go. Is that tax deductible? Thank you. Right? We get externally motivated to become a better husband or father, and then when the emotions fade. Come on, y'all. Don't leave me by myself today. And, and we got to get to this thing to where we're not waiting on external motivations. We are intentionally interrupting the, the patterns and the cycles in our lives that need to be Interrupted that need to be gone. I'm sorry. I have to eat a cough drop My throat is about gone Already we have to get intentional and stop waiting on things to happen and make them happen now Here's as I was studying and praying I ran across a series of scriptures this this week honestly uh, And I changed my entire message with it because I found a framework for how to intentionally interrupt destructive cycles in our lives I found a way in Isaiah chapter 55. Now, this is not the portion of scripture that you're going to turn to when you're trying to figure out how do I change destructive things? How do I get out of destructive habits and cycles in my lives? What does that look like? Chances are you're not going to Isaiah 55. I sure wasn't. And I just happened to be reading it, and I was like, man, this is it right here, step by step. I want to read Isaiah 55 and 7 to kick it off. It says this. it It says, let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. I want to I focus really on the first part of that. What does he say? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. 
How do you intentionally interrupt a cycle that is destroying your life? You forsake the way. Because here's what I know. What you tolerate, you will eventually operate in. Here's what the word forsake means in the dictionary. To renounce or turn away from entirely. Some of us are still on the same cycles that are drawing us further away from God, further away from family, further away from everything the Bible wants. And it's not because we want to be on the cycle. It's because we're tolerating the way of the cycle. And what you tolerate, you will eventually get familiar enough with to start operating in. It's the law of familiarity. It's the same reason that 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 painting or that picture that's in your, in your living room that's crooked and it's been crooked since you moved into your house 10 years ago, the first month you noticed it every time and kept going, I'll fix it tomorrow, I'll fix it tomorrow, I'll fix it tomorrow, I'll get my hammer and my nail, I'll fix it tomorrow, I'll fix it tomorrow, I'll fix it tomorrow. Over time, you get tired of seeing it and you get familiar with it. And so now you're walking by a crooked painting every day in your living room or a, a, a crooked picture every day in your living room and the only time you see it is when you're a mad frenzy because somebody's coming over and now you gotta clean up your house. Let's be real. You're not cleaning up your house. You're throwing it in another room and locking the door behind you. <laughs> and you've gotten familiar with it. And so now you've learned to live with it, and now it's a part of your house. Some of us, some of us, not you, us, have gotten so familiar with things that we shouldn't be tolerating, that are not of God, that now it's just a part of our life. And we will compromise values, and we will compromise stances, and we will compromise, honestly, sometimes the word of God and where we want to go in our life simply because we're tolerating it and we're just used to it. Wow, that's good. And what Isaiah 55 and 7 is saying, it's time to turn away from, it's time to renounce, to speak against, to walk away, to forsake. And so can I encourage you? I know it's difficult, and I'm just going to be honest today. This is going to be a challenging message. You're going to walk out of here probably a little mad at me today, but can you give me grace for one week? You're going to walk away a little challenge, and I want it that way because I want you to walk away going, what intentional interruptions do I need to pay attention to and do I need to create in my life? What do I need to forsake within me that I am familiar with so that I can walk into everything God has for me and everything that God has put in me? Because I can promise you this, where you're at in your life is not where God wants you to be. It's not the only place God has for you. He has more purpose and promise and, 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 and plan in your life simply because you are his and he is yours. And it's time to forsake some of these things and stop tolerating it and stop short-circuiting our walk with God. Stop short-circuiting where we're going. I know, I know, I know. You're sitting there going, I'm doing the best I can. Me too. But I still know that there's things that I have to work on. There's still cycles I got to jump off of. There's still intentional interruptions that I've got to get because there's more in my life and it's time to kick the excuses. It's time to get out, rid of the excuses. It's time to get off of the excuses and start walking to progress. So we talked about the cycle. It starts at thoughts, right? It goes to actions. If you missed last week, you can go back and watch it on YouTube or, or podcast. But you got thoughts, you got actions. Actions turn into habits, and habits then go to outcomes. The problem with an outcome is, is we can't control the outcome. Only God controls the outcome. We can only control the input, which is our thoughts, actions, and habits. And then it just continues in this cycle. And, and, and good or bad, it doesn't matter. So I want to talk about strategically and intentionally, how do we intentionally interrupt these different areas of our lives? Because maybe your thought cycle is the one that's the problem. 
Maybe you can't think the right things. I want to I read Isaiah 55 and 8. We're going to start with that. It says this. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Let me just give you some, hopeful, hopefully it'll give you some peace. Your thoughts are not his thoughts. Well, you may, I know you may be sitting back going, why would that give me peace? <sighs> because we will spend our lives trying to get him to think the way we do. God, I got it all figured out. If you're anything like me, I got it all figured out. Y'all know that. Come on now. You got the perfect plan for your life. How much money, what you going to get, how many kids, what your, what your house going to look like. All the, you got the perfect plan. Y'all know, quit acting holy. Y'all acting holy today. I got the perfect plan. I got it all figured out. I know how to do it. And God, if you would just take the next 10 years and just execute my thoughts, that'd be awesome. But what we don't see is how the execution of our thoughts affects everybody around us and everything else. And so when he says, my thoughts, my thoughts are not your thoughts, it is okay. I want to encourage you. It's okay that you don't see eye to eye with God. Because if you did, it probably means you think you are, you are God. It's okay that you don't see eye to eye. It's okay. God is not offended by you getting frustrated with him. God ain't worried about that. God, I'm mad at you today. Oh, let me drop everything. I'm the God of the universe. No. In fact, he, he cares about your feelings. He cares about your life. But he's not going to change a decision just because your feelings got hurt. Watch, watch, watch. His thoughts are not my thoughts. Well, that's kind of mean of God. If God really loves me, shouldn't he take my thoughts and my plans into, into accountability? Sure. I'm sure he does take them into account. But God sees a perspective you and I don't see. God sees a picture we don't see. God sees something higher and greater. God doesn't see the mountain that we call our life. He sees the landscape that we call the world. He sees your life and my life and how they fit in perfectly together. He sees Radiate Church and every other church that, we're a part, that is around us and that we're a part. He sees it all. Why? Because he's God. And his thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. In fact, I'll put it like this. We should stop trying to get him to become more like us and we should probably focus on becoming more like yeah. him. So I should be elevating, not asking him to decrease. I don't, I don't need God to become like me. I need to become like God. And I need to be on this journey to where, you know, often we try to lower him to our standard, right? And we get mad when God isn't like us, when Jesus isn't like us. Let me give you this thought. He already became like us. The Bible says that God became man. He became flesh. And it says in Hebrews, it lays out very clearly that he carried everything that you and I will carry. He carried betrayal and pain and hurt and grief and frustration and anger. He carried all of that. But watch this. He didn't just carry it for a season. He carried it to the cross. And so when he died on the cross, he didn't just die to redeem your sins, which he did. He died to crucify everything that we would carry as the savior of the universe. And then three days later, he rose again, holding it in victory so that you and I don't have to fight for it. He already has. <clears throat> now watch this. Why do I not need God to become like me? Because I don't need another friend. I need a redeemer. I need a redeemer. I can find friends. I'm easy enough to get along with, I think. 
I can find friends to go to lunch with. I can find friends to go to breakfast with. I can find friends to sit around fire pits with. I can do all that, and I need more of those. We all do. We all need those life groups. We all need those people. But you can't be my redeemer. You can't be my savior. I can't be yours. I don't need another friend. I need a a savior. I need a redeemer. And I love how Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 really talks about thoughts really talks about thoughts. It says this, it says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Okay, I need to change my thinking. That sounds good. Wow, that preach is good. Why? Okay, that's what I need to do. How? Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Here's how we do that. We turn off social media and we pick up the Bible. Okay. That's really practical. How else do we do that? We turn off MSNBC and we turn on worship music. Or you fill in the other thing because y'all ain't putting me in no box today. Y'all ain't getting me. Uh Uh-uh. Right? I turn off everybody else's opinions and I turn on his. If I increase my thinking, can I tell you this? If I increase my thinking, I will increase my living. My life elevates when my thinking elevates. And maybe I'm so concerned about everything that's happening here that I haven't taken time to focus on God's perspective of the kingdom. And whenever I begin to think on the kingdom, when I begin to think on God, when I begin to think on Jesus, my my mind and my thoughts begin to follow that. And while I can't control the thoughts that enter my mind, I can control what stays there. And so I got to practice this intentional interruption of throwing out the thoughts that are not of God and filling my mind back with the ways of God and the words of God and the promises of God and, and, and the thinking of God. To break a cycle of destructive thoughts, I have to think on things above. I have to think on things above. Because when I think on things above, I begin to live my life differently, which leads me to the second part of the cycle, and that's actions. Intentionally interrupt Your actions. Now, your actions, thoughts are more internal. You can hide those for a while. But eventually, as we talked about last week, eventually your actions will prove your thoughts. Actions are proof of thought. Actions are proof of what I'm focusing on. And so actions are external. And so actions really affect more than just me. They just do. Actions affect more than just me. How how do we fix that? How do we fix our actions? What does that look like? Isaiah 55 and 8 says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my way, 55 and 9, sorry, nor are my ways, my way, nor are your ways my ways. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, watch this, so my ways are what? Higher than your ways. And then he repeats it again. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Why? They're connected. Thoughts, every action starts with a thought. And so when I increase my thinking, I increase my living. I love what Paul says, Romans 12, 2. We talked about this last week. What's he say? Do not conform to the ways of the world. In other words, do not let your actions look like everything on earth. Your actions should elevate. They should look like something that is supernatural. They should look like the ways of the kingdom. They should look like God. What do my actions, hear me, this is a question for us. What do my actions prove that I'm thinking about? If I'm always walking around angry, what do you think I'm always thinking about? Negativity, bitterness, unforgiveness, and what everybody else has done to me. If I live a life of victim mentality, that's all I'm thinking on. It's how everybody's coming against me. 
I have no victory in Christ. And, and the Bible is very clear that when I give my life to Christ, I now walk in victory. Yeah. I now walk in winning. So how do we intentionally break this destructive actions? Philippians chapter four and verse eight says it like this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, watch this, dwell on these things. Philippians 4.8 is our litmus test for my actions in my life. How am I living? What, let me put it like this. When I submit my life to Jesus, I might be the only Bible somebody reads. So my actions should back up what, what, is, what, is, what is true, what is honorable, what is right. What is pure, what is lovely, what is of good reputation. If there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, those are the things I should live by. Because those are the ways of the kingdom. That is what that stuff looks like. And how do I know when I'm, I'm, I'm walking in those things or when I'm not? You grab the word of God. You always, we don't filter the word of God through our lives. We filter our lives through the word of God. The only way to know if it's any of those things is by knowing his word. I believe that if we are the only Bible somebody reads, we should probably be the best version of it that we can be. When I submit my life to Jesus, hear me, I now have opened a window for people to look in and see what a relationship with Jesus looks like. So now the moment that I've prayed that prayer, the moment I've submitted my life to him, now I get the opportunity to look at others and go, watch me, is what Paul said, follow me as I what? Follow Christ. So as people are watching you live your life, as people are watching me live my life, am I giving them a good representation of the Savior? Am I giving them a good reputation, a representation of God? Am I showing them what it looks like to be a part of a life of a kingdom, as Hebrews says, that shall never be shaken no matter what happens? Am I showing them what it means to be grounded and anchored in a faith that never moves? Because my life should be worship, not worrisome. My life should be worship, not worrisome. It doesn't mean I live a perfect life. It just means everything I do to the best of my ability is a response to God's love. The way I treat others, the way I talk to others, the way I pray, the way I lift my hands, the way I sing, the way I do my job. That's why First Peter tells you everything we do, we should do it as unto the Lord. Why? My life should be worship, not worrisome. How do I intentionally interrupt my thoughts? How do I intentionally interrupt my actions? And then actions, it goes from thoughts to actions and actions eventually become habits. And Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 10 gives us a thought on how to intentionally interrupt our habits. It actually gives us an illustration of what a cycle or a habit is. It says this, for as the rain and the snow came down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Do you see the cycle? Rain and snow come down. Melts, waters the ground, which waters the seed, which causes the seed to sprout, which causes the fruit to be bare, uh, uh, bared on the, on the tree, on the plant. Seeds come out of that, and then it happens all over again. It's this cycle that continues to happen. And I just need to go ahead and let you know this absolute universal truth. No matter if the cycle is good or the cycle is bad, your cycles are producing. 
your cycles are producing. That's why for some of us, we can't get out of negative cycles that we've been in for 15 years. That's why we can't get out of the unforgiveness and the bitterness that we've been trying to get out of. We can't get out of them for 20 years because it just continues the same thing. It waters and it sprouts and it gives fruit and then we just keep going. And I don't know how to get off the cycle. I don't know how to interrupt, intentionally interrupt the cycle. Some people call it generational curses, whatever you want. I just want you to know, good or bad, your cycle is producing fruit. The question is, what kind of fruit is it producing? Is it productive? One of my favorite things that the Apostle Paul says in, in, in the New Testament is he says, I can do whatever I want. It's literally what one of the disciples says. He said, I can do whatever I want. Good or bad, I can do whatever I want. But not everything that I want to do is beneficial. And I, only, I need to only do the things that are beneficial in my life. And so here's the question for us all. If the cycles are not producing beneficial fruit, what do I need to do to interrupt that cycle? Here's how you can ask that question in another way, a real practical way. Um, what are other people saying about interactions with you? Well, they're just judging me. Absolutely, we all judge somebody. In fact, the Bible says it like this, that you, as a follower of Jesus, will be judged by your fruits. How dare they judge me? You're, you're gonna be judged by the fruit that you bear. How good, sweet, or, 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 or tangy, or bad, and rotten are the interactions people have with you? Are they better when they walk away from you? Is there more life in them when they walk away? Or is, the, or is there not? Or are they walking away going, I hope I don't run into them at Food Lion again, because great day. I just got a box of Fruity Pebbles and my whole life is just ruined. <laughs> I was trying not to do it. Crunch that cough drop. <clears throat> Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been in those interactions. And you've been not just the receiver but the giver of those interactions. If it's not productive, if it's not good fruit, why are we doing it? In fact, Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23. I read it last week. I'm going to read it again. It tells us what good fruit is. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Because think about this. If my thoughts are getting higher and my actions are getting higher and I'm becoming more like him, shouldn't I begin to produce the fruit that he produces? That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. The more I become in line with the fruit, I mean with the Spirit, the more I become like the Spirit. And it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And so when you interact with me, you're interacting with the Spirit. And you should be able to eat these things. Here's what it says. Here's what it says. Watch this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. Here's, here's what he's essentially saying by that last sentence. If you're living out these things, there is nothing anybody can do to you that can take away the sweetness of the life that you're living. You're just proving that you're a part of that kingdom. You're proving you're a part of God. You're proving that you're connected with the Spirit. So how do I intentionally interrupt destructive cycles in my life, destructive habits? Here's what you gotta do. You gotta learn to uproot the things that are giving bad fruit. Easier said than done. But here's what I know. Some of us have lived a life of bitterness and unforgiveness and of pain, and of frustration because of what somebody did to us 25 years ago. 
And I do not want to diminish what somebody did to you because I know it was painful and I know it was hurtful, but you refused to go talk to a counselor. And you refused to bring it up in life group. And you refused to let anybody pray with you about it. Because after all, if I keep it in the dark, I don't have to deal with it. And can I tell you where evil is bred? In darkness. And at some point, we have to get to a place to where I'm uprooting the things that are destructive in my life. Because now, not only am I producing bad fruit because of bad root, now it is affecting everybody that I've come into contact with. Because they get to experience something from me that I don't even want to be. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I just am. I don't know where it came from. It's the root of bitterness. And that's why you're always angry. And that's why nobody, it's the root of jealousy. You, you keep going. And here's what I want to tell you. As you go home and you start thinking about this, can I promise you something? You don't have to uproot it by yourself. Partly, that's why we have life groups is to help uproot those things and talk about that stuff. I've seen it over and over. But Jesus wants to help you uproot it. Jesus goes, listen, I just want to dig that ground and I want to get up under that root ball and pick that thing up because I'll carry the weight of the unforgiveness. I'll carry the weight of the bitterness. I'll carry the weight of the abuse. I'll carry the weight of the pain. I'll carry the weight of it all with you so that you don't have to carry it and eventually you won't even miss the weight anymore because I've got it and we're going to walk through a new life together because you're going to walk into a new way and you've intentionally interrupted the cycle of pain that you were on for decades and as we talked about last week it goes thoughts actions habits and then outcomes but here's the truth about an outcome you and i we are not in charge of outcomes we are not i just need to go ahead and tell you you're not as in control as you think you are i'm not as in control as i think i am i like being in control in fact in isaiah 55 in verse 11 It says it like this. It says, so my word, which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Why do those statements matter? Because the prophet Isaiah is speaking on behalf of God in the Old Testament right here. And he is saying this. I, God, have a purpose for everything I've said and everything I'm doing, and you don't get to pick on that. It's not, I didn't ask your opinion for it. This is what's going to happen. What kind of God wants me to do something, but I don't get to say anything about it? The God of the universe. And I actually love Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. It's been a favorite scripture of mine since I was in high school. And um, don't ask how long ago that was. And uh, I love this scripture because it reminds me that it's not about what happens. It's about what I see. In, in verse, verse, the first part of Jeremiah chapter 1, it's, it's God speaking to Jeremiah. He's going, hey, here's what's going to happen in your life. Here's what's, what, what you're going to do. Here's what I'm going to use you to do. And then in verse 10, he kind of just goes, here's the synopsis, right? Here's the synopsis of what I'm going to call you to do. Verse 10, he says, see, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overflow, uh, overthrow, to build and to plant. So in other words, he's going, hey, all that stuff I told you, here's one paragraph that explains it all. This is what you're going to do. He doesn't look at Jeremiah and go, so what do you think about that? Can I give you some, this ought to give you some freedom. I hope it does. I hope it actually gives you some, some encouragement today. 
God thinks enough of you that he is inviting you to be a part of a master plan with him. And he's got it worked out for you. You don't have to figure that out. He already knows. That's why he put it in you. I love it. But verses 11 through 12, something weird happens. God, it says in verse 11, Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I see the rod of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. It's kind of interesting. God is having this conversation with Jeremiah and he tells him what he's going to do and then he looks at him I don't know if it was a few days later a couple years later I don't know if it was a couple hours later I don't know how long afterwards it was but I know at some point after he told him what he was going to do with his life he looked at Jeremiah and he goes what do you see? what you looking at? what you looking at? and Jeremiah goes I see the rod of an almond tree I see an almond tree branch and God goes yeah that's right so do I you've seen well in other words, you passed. You're looking into exactly what I want you to, wanted you to look at. And then he goes, because of that, Jeremiah, everything that I put in you to accomplish, I will watch over it and ensure that it is accomplished. But here's the caveat. As long as you see what I want you to see. Here's the, here's, here's the truth of outcomes. You and I don't get to decide the outcomes because we are not God. But when I see what God wants me to see, and when I'm focused on him, and I'm focused on his goodness and his grace and his mercy and how much he loves me and how much I love him and how good of a father he is and how good of a savior he is, when I'm looking at the right things, when I'm focusing on the right things, can I assure you of something? It is in those moments that the result of the outcome is less important because I'm not worshiping the gift in his hand. I'm worshiping the giver in his heart. I'm worshiping who he is and I'm looking at him going, God, what do you want me to look at? God, that's not what I would have done, but that's okay because I'm looking where you want me to look. I'm not looking over there. I'm not worshiping the outcome. I'm not worshiping the result. I'm not going where I think I need to go. I'm going to look where you want me to look, God. And if it's right, I'll look right. And if it's left, I'll look left because God, I have given you my life and I am not God, but I will submit and focus totally and solely on you. And he goes, listen, as long as you see what I want you to see, I'll watch over my word and I'll make sure it's performed. We don't get the outcomes, but I get the focus. I get to look where I want. And I believe that this is part of why the enemy in our lives today is more concerned about what we're getting us to look everywhere else rather than looking to him. Getting us to look at, at all the news and all the people and all the opinions and all the this and all the that and this is what's supposed to happen and that's what's supposed to happen and conspiracy theories are fun and blah, 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 blah. And all that can be fun and all that can be fine and I got no problem with any of that, honestly. But what I do have a problem with is when God says to look left or left, and I'm looking right, that's the problem. Because then I don't even know what he wants and that's when, watch this, that's when I begin to worship the gift and the outcome and not the giver and the God. And I don't know about you, but where I am in my life is I'm ready to jump off of some of these destructive cycles. And here's what I want to tell you. It's not going to be an overnight thing. In fact, people, um, people will say, hey, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. 
You got, I got sanctified in one, in one moment. Sanctification is a process. Sanctification is the act and the journey of becoming holy and cleansed before God. You're never totally sanctified or cleansed until you get to heaven with him. That is the only time I can become holy. But watch this, watch this. You can begin a journey today. You can go, you know what, that, that, that cycle, that cycle of addiction, man, I'm going to start jumping off of that today. That cycle of that hidden sin, I'm jumping off that today. That's like, whatever, you figure it out. I don't know. But today's the day. And here's what I want you to know. You can't do it without Jesus. Can't do it without Jesus. He's the only one. Well, you don't need another friend to walk it out with you and pat you on the back in the middle of it. You need a redeemer. And so do I. And so I got two things. One, I want to pray over us all. And then uh, Ariana's going to come up and give us some things. But two, the most important thing is some of us, you just need to pray that prayer and give your life to Jesus today. And go, you know what? I can't do this without you. I won't do this without you. I've tried to do this without you. And I need a savior. I need a redeemer. I need the one that gave his life to give me life. That's what I need. And I want to pray that with you today because it's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. And the Bible says that if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that he is Lord, then I too shall be saved. And so I want to pray that as we believe in our heart and then we will confess with our mouth that he is Lord. And then it's time to go home and in the car ride, start jumping off cycles. At lunch, start jumping off cycles. On Monday, jump off cycles. On Wednesday, jump off cycles. Next Sunday, we come back and we're off some cycles. And we're going to figure this thing out. Would you bow your heads with me today? If you're ready to give your life to Jesus, I just want you to pray this with me right where you are. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. Submit totally and fully to you. I can't do this without you. I've tried. I don't want to do this without you anymore. And so I believe that you are the Savior, the redemption of my life. You gave your life on the cross to give me life with God the Father for eternity. I accept your salvation today. And I want to walk in a new relationship with you from this day forward. Forgive my past, forgive my present, and redeem my future. Let me be different. And let me walk in a relationship with you. God, thank you for loving me right where I am, but way too much to leave me there. And Jesus, I'm so excited about the journey of getting off these cycles and walking with you from this day forward. I love you. In your name we pray. Now, as everyone continues to pray all across the room, eyes are closed. If you pray that prayer today, can I ask you to do something? I, I want to know so badly who I prayed with. If you would, just raise your hand right where you are and go right here. I gave my life to Jesus today. I asked for that forgiveness and to start a new life with him. And the cycle I'm starting today is a cycle with my Savior, my Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Just hold it up high. And all, all we're going to do, this is it, this is it. Just keep holding it up. Is we're going to put a clipboard in your hand. Hold it up high. We're going to put a clipboard in your hand. Here's why. We believe in doing life together. And that doesn't just mean in certain ways. That means in this moment, we want to pray with you. We want to give you resources. We want to answer any questions you might have. And so I'm going to ask you before you leave to fill that card out and take it by the care corner in the back corner of our auditorium on the way out. We want to pray with you and give you some stuff. We want to walk this out with you. God, thank you 
Thank you for life change. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for giving us a way to jump off of destructive cycles. We want to get closer to you. We want to walk with you. So let us do that. Help us do that the right way with our thoughts, our actions, our habits. And God, we will worship you through any outcome you bring. Because we want a faith that is anchored in your goodness. We love you.